We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. Jason, we just watched the final two episodes of The Last Dance, and I'm already feeling some separation anxiety. What are we supposed to do with our Sundays now that this thing's over? I know. Unbelievable. It's kind of crazy just how fast this all went. And we are done with this 10 episodes. Obviously, it was five weekends where we joined with all these people during this quarantine period and enjoying Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And then it's now finally done. These two episodes, we saw the get we saw the Pacers series from 1998 that went seven, uh, seven games. Uh, the episode nine today started with some stuff with Reggie Miller and kind of the rivalry there between Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller. That was fun. We obviously got a bunch of stuff with the Bulls and Utah Jazz. Uh, and then obviously at the very end, just kind of recapping this whole thing, we get kind of the revel- a revelation uh, here at the end about how Michael Jordan just still is upset about how, how the thing, how everything broke up. And what was kind of interesting was how this whole, this whole uh, docuseries, whatever, kind of painted like Jerry Krause as like the main villain here. I feel like it almost kind of shifted to Jerry Reinsdorf at the at the very end here because they have Reinsdorf talking about how they like didn't want to bring all these guys back on like one year deal like all these veterans like obviously MJ was old Scotty was old we saw in the, we saw in this these episodes Scotty and his back problems in the ninety eight finals Rodman was old Steve Kerr was old Harper was old but that a lot of these Jordan claimed that him and a lot of these guys were willing to come back and like one year deals to run this back. Phil Jackson was obviously kind of an outlier because there was the whole thing with him and Kraus, and Kraus had said that this whole thing was finished. This is Phil's last year. Jerry claimed that he asked Phil to come back, but 
But then on the other hand, it probably would have been a rebuild because again, Reinsdorf literally used the term like market value. Like we didn't want to pay these guys market value. MJ was legitimately like clearly very upset that they did not get the chance to run it back for number for possibly title number seven. I have my doubts about whether they would actually would have actually won that whole that whole next season was like was a there was the lockout year. I think it was a 50-game regular season. The eighth-seeded Knicks made it to the finals and got smoked, but they didn't even have Patrick Ewing in the final series against the Spurs. The Spurs won, I think, in five games. Maybe the Bulls would have been win number seven. We'll never know because this thing broke up partially or in large part because Jerry kind of sided or Jerry Reinsdorf kind of sided with Jerry Krause. They wanted to rebuild, and then so that they basically broke this whole thing up. So that was kind of a main takeaway from the end. There was that Jordan is still fucking pissed that they broke the team up, that, that they did not work harder to bring everybody back, that a lot of these guys were willing to come back. Uh, and and, there, and at the very end, they showed stuff about like how, like whatever, the Bolt, MJ retired, Scotty signed and trade to the Rockets, Steve Kerr, I think, was traded. Uh, Rodman went, I don't know, Rodman, I don't know if he retired or went somewhere else, I can't remember, but basically, and then it was like, and the Bulls began to rebuild. Right after that, all the jokes were coming across about how, and now the Bulls are still rebuilding. Obviously, the Bulls have had some really good seasons uh, with Derrick Rose. They made, went to an Eastern Conference Finals, but obviously the Bulls have not been back to the Finals since Michael Jordan retired. So, like this, definitely the end of that. Just definitely painting Jerry Reinsdorf as a huge villain here. Uh, and yeah, what, what did you think about how that ended and MJ's thoughts and just like him? They had, they brought out the iPad again and him looking and just him being like just the the look in his eyes, just very upset about how everything broke up. Yeah, well, you'll notice MJ didn't torch Reinsdorf in that moment. Like they asked Jordan about it, and he right, was yeah. like, "Well, I've only, I've never talked to Reinsdorf about this. I've only had these conversations, you know, in my own head." Uh, here's what Jordan said. He said, "Quote: It was maddening because I felt like we could have won seven. I really believe that we may not, but man, just not to be able to try—that's something I just can't accept." And then, like you said, they give Jordan the iPad with Reinsdorf, and here's Reinsdorf's response. Now, after the sixth championship, things were beyond our control because it would have been suicidal at that point in their careers to bring back Pippen, Steve Kerr, Rodman, Ron Harper. Their market value individually was going to be too high. They weren't going to be worth the money they were going to get in the market. So when we realized that we were going to have to go into a rebuild, I went to Phil and offered him the opportunity to come back next year. But he said, I don't want to go through a rebuild. I don't want to coach a bad team. That was the end. It just came to an end on its own. If Michael had been healthy and wanted to come back, I don't doubt that Kraus could have rebuilt another championship team in a couple years, but it wasn't going to happen instantly. So basically what Reinsdorf was saying was that the Bulls had too many key pieces uh, on expiring contracts. Steve Kerr was on the Spurs championship team in 1999. So whenever you talk about the hypothetical yep. of would the 99 Bulls be able to beat the Spurs, I mean, there's so many uh, variables in that. And Steve Kerr is obviously a big one considering he went on to play for San Antonio. Uh, I just think that, you know, Reinsdorf at the end of this is basically trying to save himself by saying, oh, I went over Krause's head to offer to bring Phil back. But at that point, it's just so clear the damage was already done. And uh, what really like set in for me watching this is just how drained these guys were mentally and physically at the end of all these runs. I mean, at the end of 97, the end of 98. Now, remember, MJ was playing basically every game in all those years. Uh, just deep run through the playoffs after huge minutes, run, huge minutes. 
Uh, what do you play in the flu game, which we also saw as part of, you know, the f- last two episodes tonight? I think he played 44 minutes in the yep. flu game when he, uh, you know, in game five of the 97 finals. So uh, I think that the way the dynasty ended is probably the best thing that could have happened to Jordan's legacy because he'll always have six and in the NBA finals. He'll always have six rings. But I think that that is part of why this eats at Jordan, because obviously, you know, this whole thing was just a window into his psychotic competitiveness. And Jordan knows that the game improves itself over the years, right? Like, Jordan probably at one point in his life was worried that people were going to consider Kobe the goat if Kobe would have got a sixth ring or a seventh ring. Uh, Then you go on to LeBron, who has been getting compared to Jordan from the moment he enters the league. But, you know, the thing LeBron will never have that Jordan has, first of all, the six rings and then the finals record. Like, even if LeBron somehow goes on a streak here at the end of his career, gets to six rings, right now he only has three, he'll never be undefeated in uh in the nba finals so i think that that's why jordan really wanted that seventh one more than anything was because you know he knows there's going to be another player to come after his throne long after lebron there'll be another guy after that there'll be another guy after that you know we could be sitting here five years from now six years from now and Giannis could have four titles you know what i mean at age 30 and then uh are we talking about Giannis as one you know as the greatest player of all time so jordan knows that these debates are going to continue happening that it's certainly not stopping with lebron there'll be another guy after lebron uh, who's almost as good as him or even better than him and this debate's going to be endless and i think that that's part of why uh it eats away at Jordan is because he just wants that number to be as high as possible. But uh, walking away when he did just solidified his reputation in a lot of people's minds that he's the goat. And, you know, for people who are our age or older, I don't think that Jordan is ever going to get passed for those people because, you know, it's the same way that like they don't change the faces on Mount Rushmore. Right. I remember maybe Chuck Klosterman or someone talking about this a long time ago. It's because like those presidents, those faces on Mount Rushmore, they sort of like uh, symbolize what it means to be a, a great president. And like Jordan is basically that level of basketball player where he's like, the person you measure everything up to and walking away when he did, I think really solidified his reputation as being the best ever do it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And like when you talk about like LeBron into it, I saw, I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody tweeted to it. Like you could argue that LeBron, I mean, there's obviously an argument for LeBron as the goat, but I, I will obviously never say that as Jordan bias, but I feel like, there was somebody that I saw on Twitter that said that Michael Jordan like always, oh, at least for a while, like you said, somebody might come on later and beat his legacy. I don't know, but especially just watching this doc, that Jordan will will be the goat. You can argue that LeBron is like the be- maybe the best basketball player, just like pure talent, talent wise, like whatever. That he's maybe arguably the best basketball player, but that this doc kind of just shows how Jordan was the goat, just because like the whole the whole thing, the six finals, going six for six, the whole legacy, his whole. Just his whole just aura and all of that just kind of solidifies how Jordan is the goat. It's like he was like as much like I'm 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 a Le- I, I would say I'm a LeBron fan. I've I've grown to like him more, appreciate him more over the years. As obviously as Bulls fans, when the Bulls were fighting him and when he was with the big three and him spurning spurning when he was with the Cavs and then spurning the Bulls to go to the Heat and obviously those rivalries. Like I hated LeBron then. I've grown to like him a bit more as the years have gone on. 
And like I could, I definitely think LeBron is at least in the conversation. Like I'm, I like I don't think I would ever say that he's better than Jordan. I could say like like again, pure talent wise, like all around game. Like I think I you could possibly say that, but just what we see with the drive, the six for six with the titles, just the whole, just his whole aura, his whole his whole thing, and how he made basketball like what it is, and how he helped grow the game, like. It's going to be hard to beat that legacy. Just, just how Jordan has made help make basketball and how he helped push it into what it is now. Going six for six, all these stories with his insane competitiveness. It, it's going to be tough to beat that for anybody. Like LeBron, I mean, the fact that LeBron is where he is now, like from with all the hype that he had coming into the league and trying to live up Jordan, is pretty damn impressive. But even then, like he's got the three and six finals. Not that it's all his fault. Like it's it's going to be really tough to beat MJ's legacy. Maybe somebody will do it at some point, but it's going to take a really special player to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So just like moving on to everything else we saw in the last two episodes tonight. uh, One thing we were talking about a little bit before we started recording was how they failed to show Scottie Pippen's legendary trash talking line. I cannot believe this. Carl Malone in game one of the 1997 finals and saying the mailman don't deliver on Sundays. Malone misses two free throws. Uh, they did show, you know, what happened after that, which is that Jordan comes down, passes the ball to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr hits the shot. Bulls take. Wait, no, that's wrong. So Jordan, wait, that was game one. Game one, Jordan hits a game winning shot. Game one, I think Jordan, Jordan, game winning shot, right? Jordan misses a free throw, though. I think the. And, and then the Jazz the lead. Too. The Jazz, and then Jazz get the ball. Somebody misses a shot, I think. And then Malone gets a rebound, gets fouled by Rodman. And then there was a great piece, a great like oral history of this on ESPN. I saw you tweeting about it, I think today or recently. Just great long piece on ESPN about this, about the, all of that. So like when they released that, like I figured this was going to be like a big part of this one of these episodes tonight. So the fact that it was not in it was crazy. So yeah, so Carl Malone goes to the line. I think with like, like whatever, like seven or eight seconds left, tie game, uh, with the game tied, and he misses both free throws. And obviously, with Scotty whispers in his ear, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. Absolutely iconic trash talk line. One of the best I'll ever hear. I cannot believe they did not include that in these episodes. Like that, it's, I know it's I know it's most it's supposed to be show Jordan in a great light. Obviously, it's his doc, but like. That is an absolutely incredible part of uh, the Bulls lore. They obviously included a bunch of other stuff, and we'll talk about Steve Kerr a bit later, but to not include that leading up to Jordan's game-winning shot over B- Brian Russell in that game one, was I thought that was a huge oversight. Like I've, people have compl- I've seen people complaining like throughout the series about, oh, they didn't include this, they didn't include this. So, like Obviously, the, you can only show much in 10, 10 hours, whatever, but the fact that they did not include that, one of the best trash talk lines in like NBA history was definitely a huge oversight and very disappointing. The episodes got much, got really good even after that. So I can't really complain that much, but I was very disappointed that they did not at least give a little bit on that, especially with, with Scotty giving commentary. That was disappointing. Uh, do you feel like the game winning shot from 1997 game one that gets like underplayed in Jordan's all time grade highlights? Don't you think like that was a legit buzzer beater? In the NBA Finals, you don't He's hear cold, about that, that much. Cold shot. He just, I, he basically just like crossed, crossed up simple from like twenty feet and just buries it. Like, and then just he does just like the the fist pump reaction, just like super calm and collected after that. It's, it's definitely an iconic moment that I think a people, a lot of people do forget about. And like that, they, and then that whole sequence. Like, I wish it would have gotten more play. I, 
I guess I could understand why they wanted to move forward to some other stuff. They did a lot of stuff with Kerr, but they should have at least given Scotty and that and that last moment together a bit more shine. Uh, but but l- like you said, there was a great ESPN oral history on that, yeah. on uh, the subject. So I read that this morning. I'm just going to read off some excerpts from it because I just really enjoyed the entire story. I it thought that, that it was outstanding. Yeah. Really well done, full of great anecdotes. So I'm just going to read a few passages here. Here's Jason Caffey talking. When Carl steps to the line, it was like Tupac's song, All Eyes on Me. You've got the whole world watching you right there, right then. You're on an island all by yourself. Caffey continues, I have a lot of respect for the mailman. There was just one gator in that pond that was tougher than him, and that was Michael Jordan. We all got our swagger from Michael. Scotty was laid back and straightforward. He took me under his wing. Ron Harper? I hate that guy. He was so insecure. (laughs) Dennis never said two words. Steve Kern, Judd Bushler, and I, Phil Jackson told us it was our responsibility to go out with Dennis and watch him when go out drinking during the week and make sure he didn't get into too much trouble. So I thought that was funny. Uh, Pippin is quoted in the story. He says, it actually wasn't personal. Carl was my guy. He even came to pick me up from the airport sometimes when we were there in Utah. My relationship with him was way more than basketball. It was a joke because my brother was a mailman. So Pippin's citing the fact that his brother had a career as a mailman is the inspiration for his iconic line. And then here's maybe my favorite part of it. A little bit down, it says, After returning to Salt Lake City, Malone responded, scoring 37 in a Game 3 win. When asked why Rodman struggled to guard the mailman, Jordan replied, he was going against one of the 50 greatest players in the game. Carl Malone is not lunch meat. In Game 4 on Sunday, June 8th, Malone found himself in a familiar position, at the free throw line with Utah up by one and 18 seconds left to play. This time, when Pippen tried to deliver the line again, Malone and the Jazz were ready. Utah guard Jeff Hornacek blocked Pippen's path to Malone, who sank both free throws. With the line no longer effective in the 1998 finals, Harper resorted to yelling Rogaine at Malone while he got his free throws, <laughs> a reference to the hair growth commercials that featured the jazz forward. So that sounds like trash talk that I would yell, and I was going to tweet it, but I didn't know if it would be insensitive to the balding community, so I didn't want to like step on any toes. But Ron Harper yelling Rogaine at Malone, absolutely hilarious. That is absolutely awesome. Before we continue, let's uh, take a quick word from our sponsors. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant and Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary and what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first several First ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once it's approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So here's a great deal for all you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE and you just pay $5 of shipping. 
Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, talking about the last two episodes of The Last Dance. Uh, we were just talking about uh, the <laughs> Mailman Doesn't Deliver on Sundays, which was not in this episode. But there was a lot of other stuff in these last two episodes that were really great. I mentioned the Bulls Pacers series, which is really intense. We obviously got a plenty of stuff from the, the last two the last two finals, Bulls Jazz. We got uh, the flu game, which was actually the way they tell it in this in this in this episode here was more like the bad pizza game, or if you want to call it Pizzagate, if you will. That the way they explained it was uh, that they they were trying to order a pizza. This is this obviously before Game Five. They were looking for a pizza to order, and they couldn't find. And this was in Utah, and they like couldn't find anywhere. I think they claimed it was like ten thirty, which is like how are pizza places like you you can't find a pizza place open at like 10 30 o'clock like you, are you, 10 30 p.m are you kidding me kind of shady but they 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 claim that there was one pizza place left open so they like they order this pizza and that like five guys come up to their hotel room which also again kind of shady like like did did you did you tell these guys like this was michael jordan's pizza you're ordering like why are all these guys coming to your hotel room and so jordan says he eats the whole pizza which good pop more power to him i i remember the days where i would eat full pizzas more like frozen pizzas but he eats the whole pizza he gets sick it's food poisoning and then obviously we all know what happens from there he puts up 38 points uh in 44 minutes and that game five hits a big three-pointer uh i guess in general do you buy that story the pizza the pizza gate story or do you think that's bullshit do you think he was out like getting hammered gambling somewhere what do you think yeah i actually do buy it because uh like i don't know i'm sure jordan played tons of games hungover you know what I mean? And right. yeah. uh, he never had a reaction like that. Have you ever had food poisoning before? Uh, I I have had food poisoning. I'm before. sure I have. I can't say I've like played like a sporting event the the next day. Like obviously absolutely miserable, I would assume. And like the fact that whatever it is, food poisoning, flu, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like the fact that Jordan went out and put up 38 on the road in the NBA finals game after that is absolutely incredible. So whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Absolutely iconic performance, no matter what. Uh, all my friends like to make fun of me because I got food poisoning one time in like 2015 or 16, and I got it from Subway. And I was living in a house with like three or four other friends at that point. And they came down in the morning, and I was laying on the couch, throwing <laughs> up on the floor because I had food poisoning. And they were like, oh, my God, do you want us to take you to the hospital? And I'm like, no hospital, no insurance. As I'm just like throwing up repeatedly on the floor. <laughs> and that's all it was, was food poisoning. And it was a 24 or, you know, maybe 36 hour bug. And then it was gone. I think that the way Jordan recovered uh, in game six sort of showed that, like, you know, there wasn't going to be. It obviously wasn't the flu because it would have lasted longer, most likely, yeah. than uh, food poisoning did. So that was certainly on, like, the symptoms seemed like they were on food poisoning's timeline. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I tend to believe it. Like, there's no doubt that there was a lot of lying in this in this doc. <laughs> like, there, there's yeah. no doubt. There was a lot of things that people were lying about from every single side of it. Uh in terms of the, the flu game, the food poisoning game, while the story, when they were telling it on the dock, sounded a little fishy, uh, I feel like that isn't one of the most blatant lies, at least, in the dock. What do you think, what do you think is? Uh, I would need time to like go back and think about <laughs> go it. Go back, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
I mean, obviously, like the entire thing, they never challenged Jordan, really. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the this entire doc was very much through MJ's eyes. Very hagiography. Uh, he <laughs> yeah, he had like say on the final cut. Like the director even said in one thing that I read where he was like, oh, we couldn't believe Michael let us keep that in there. Well, that's all you really need to hear to know that <laughs> yeah. this wasn't exactly going to be a critical look at Jordan. Uh, it was very much to... I think broadcast his legend to another generation. And, you know, there's probably a, a ton of people I would think that know all about Michael Jordan now that didn't six weeks ago. So I think that this thing ultimately did his job. Jordan's legend only grows. Uh, now, you know, some people, maybe they only remember him from like the be like Mike song and the Sh- air Jordan shoes and commercials. But now they learned Jordan was actually kind of an asshole. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that diminishes his reputation a little bit, but like we talked about earlier, in terms of him him being considered the goat, it's pretty much ironclad so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I d- did really like about these two episodes, uh, I think we got a lot more of the behind the scenes stuff because I, I think that was one of the things I was like really hyped coming into these episodes was the behind the scenes footage. And I feel like that we were maybe of, of this last season because they were talking about how oh, the, like the, the team was followed, that last team, the last dance, they were followed with cameras all season, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like in a lot of these for other episodes, like we didn't necessarily see as much like behind the scenes stuff. We we did get some great stuff. Like I think that was last week with like the practice footage or whenever that was with, like the practice footage with Jordan shitting on Scott Burrell and all that. And Scott Burrell was still catching major strays in the, these couple episodes. But these these couple episodes, especially, we saw like a lot of the behind behind the scenes stuff, uh, just like between games. Uh, we saw that great stuff with MJ and Larry Bird, the the bitch, you bitch, fuck you. After the Bulls beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals, was absolutely hilarious. We saw Leonardo DiCaprio. We we saw Jordan. He like he didn't know the the man in the Iron Mask that Leo was in in like 1998. Like Jordan just completely botched that title, and Leo was in the locker room. That's like. It's like 20-year-old Leo, like, fresh off Titanic in Man in the Iron Mask. Like, see, that was great. We saw, like, Carl Malone go to congratulate the Bulls on the bus. We just saw, like, a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff. We saw some great, prank, like, warm-up footage of them, like, shooting three, like, a three long three-pointer contest, which, which is kind of funny because a lot of people are like, well, like, guys just pull up from three that, like, now these days, like, like it's no problem. And all those guys are, like, airballing, and then MJ just swishes one. So I thought these two episodes, like, they really ramped up the footage that like they were kind of hyping up all series, the behind the scenes stuff, the, the never before seen stuff. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. The Larry Bird scene is just absolutely iconic. As iconic. soon as I saw that, I knew that I will be seeing that screenshot on Twitter for the rest <laughs> of my life. Uh, yeah. What a, what a tough series that Pacer series was too, man. Like when we were going into that, I had read this morning, the Zach Lowe piece on that yep. series and I was talking to some friends about it. I'm like, man, I'm ready to just hate the Pacers again. And, I, you know, I can never get the image out of my head of Reggie running down to the other side of the court after he hits the shot. And I believe it was game four, just game doing four. pirouettes with his arms crossed. Uh, that haunted me as a child. I hated Reggie Miller so, that, so, so And they, they do it. They address the push off. And I mean, there was such a like they, have, they, they address the yeah, they address the Jordan Russell push off later. And obviously Jordan 
scoffs at it and whatever. But that the Reggie Miller push off against Jordan in that game, like he literally shoves him, and he's like, "Oh, I gave him like a slight tap." He shoved the shit out of him. That that was just such a garbage, blatant no call, like in right in front of the refs. Like that made me so as a kid just just livid about that because it was so obvious. Literally, right in the main part of the play, Reggie just extends the arm, shoves off, gets open, hits that three, and then. A lot of people do forget, I think, that Jordan almost hits that double-clutch three-pointer to win the game right on the other end. Like, yeah. off the backboard, so it goes close. down, down, around, and out. He almost made it. But, yeah, absolutely. Like, definitely just a lot of people were saying, Bulls fans were saying, just fuck Reggie Miller during that whole, like, first the first bit of that uh, episode nine tonight. <laughs> For sure. Uh, what were some of your other favorite parts that you saw uh, tonight? Anything else? I was not there? expecting... I was not expecting the big dive into Steve Kerr. I thought that was unexpected. They go into, if you didn't know the backstory about Steve Kerr and his father, I've seen Steve Kerr right now like is is very outspoken against gun violence because his dad was was murdered by by like I think it was terrorists. Like he was kid. I I can't. I don't know the exact story off the top of my head, but they they kind of dove into this that he was they were living in Beirut. They like he was uh, the head of the university in Beirut. And like he gets kidnapped and gets murdered, and like Steve Kerr, like they show him he got like a call in the middle of the night, and they tell him that his dad got got shot, uh, and then obviously like like I said now like he is uh, very outspoken against gun violence, so you kind of understand now where that's coming from. So to get that whole Steve Kerr backstory in episode nine, kind of just like out of nowhere, I thought it was a really pleasant surprise. So like I, I I said I was saying this to somebody else. Uh, that like I was like kind of mad about the whole Pippin thing, not including the uh, that mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. But then they like went right into uh, the Steve Kerr story, and they spent a lot of time on that. And I was I was glad they did spend that time on that just to get more about Steve Kerr and his backstory, which is obviously tragic, heartbreaking. And Kerr is just Kerr is just a wonderful guy. He's he's very self deprecating. He was making plenty of jokes about himself, but then to also to see that other side of him and his background. I believe they had his mom gave an interview as well. And just to hear that story about his dad. And then they go into how the Steve Kerr game winner, they, they brought John Paxson into this and how Steve Kerr kind of learned from John Paxson because obviously Paxson, the game winner in 1993. So then they go into Steve Kerr's game winner in 97 in game six. Uh, that was, that's obviously a pretty well-known story They they, that, that footage of Jordan talking to Kerr on the, uh, in the huddle in nineties on the bench, uh, but how like if you double me, you, you be ready. And he Steve yells, "Yeah, I'll I'll be ready." And then Steve Steve had said game winning shot. And then the championship rally. I was tweeting this like that was one of the things like I will always remember from those from that second three peat as a nine year old kid was that Steve Kerr speech at that championship rally. And he's just making jokes about how yeah, like, oh, I had to pick up Michael again. Like what blah 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 blah. And that was absolutely iconic moments. So I, I was glad to see Steve Kerr get that shine. Steve Kerr. Is a treasure, absolute legend. He's, I, I believe he's, he might be the, he still might be the highest, have the highest three point percentage of all time, which is obviously crazy considering he's coaching Steph Curry and Clay Thompson now. Like Steve Kerr, obviously he's not the best shooter of all time given the just difficulty level and the volume these days. But Steve Kerr, one of the all time great three point shooters, uh, great role player. He fit in great with the Bulls and obviously just great storyteller. And just an all-around great guy. So to get that whole background about Steve Kerr, I thought was awesome. One thing I liked, it was sort of a small moment tonight, but the guy who was writing uh, like autobiographies on Jordan, he was an author interviewed throughout the, docu- the doc. Uh, he wrote Rare Air, 
I'm blanking. The Mark Labsill? Yeah. Mark Lab, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. He said he went into this thing where he was like, you know, people basically, uh, you know, will travel to India and do meditation all so they can try to be present. But it still doesn't work for a lot of people. And Michael Jordan's greatest superpower was the fact that he was always present. And then after the Bulls win the 98 championship, you see Jordan in his hotel room playing his piano. Man, talk about yes. the Kobe parallels there. And you have some media members in the hotel. How did those media members get in Jordan's hotel room? Where are they? Let's interview him for next week's episode. I would love to do that. Jordan's sitting at the piano with his uh, his BFF, George. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, are you going to come back next year? Is this it? And Jordan's like, let's just be present. Let's just enjoy this moment. We'll worry about everything else after that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And it definitely rings true, I think, given what we've seen about Jordan in this doc and, uh, you know, what we've known about him for years. It's just like he is sort of a simple guy in that he, all he wants to do is win. He is this uh, psychological addiction to winning and then belittling everyone else around him who gets in his way of winning. And I think that, you know, possibly that was, you know, his secret to being so present in every moment. He was never, you know, thinking about possible failures. He was never really projecting out even his Bulls tenure that many years down the line. Like he said, he was playing on one year deals uh, for the last two seasons. So or last three seasons, maybe with the Bulls. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Jordan's ability to be present in the moment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the other things that I, that I just remembered uh, that, I mean, you mentioned that whole, I think just after that 98 finals and them winning that all that stuff in the hotel was absolutely awesome. They showed Carmel, Carmel lecture there with Rodman, like kissing the fucking Larry, the Larry O'Brien trophy was incredible. You mentioned Jordan with the piano. They show, I think Jordan talking to Scott against Scott Perel, catching more, catching more strays. I think that's what I can't remember exactly what it was, but all that footage of them, like on the bus going to back to the hotel in Utah and celebrating in that hotel. You said all the media members in there with Jordan, him playing his fucking piano was absolutely crazy. Uh, one, one of the other like nice little stories I kind of showed, I think this was like right after the Kerr thing was the, the security guard, Gus, uh, was he was, I think he was diagnosed with cancer at that time. So just kind of get the pie. Because Jordan obviously grew, got a, a developed pretty good relationships with all the security guys. We saw the guy, uh, I think it was last time, I can't remember his full name, but Wozniak, the guy with the, the crazy, the, 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 the quarters guy, the shrug, he had that great meme. Uh, and then we got the Gus stuff tonight and how basically Jordan was kind of motivated by uh, to win that game seven against the Pacers uh for for gus and we kind of saw him throughout throughout these last couple episodes to so see him he was like the main security guy there i thought that was really awesome um i'm trying to think if there's anything that some of the really other cool just like, like i didn't know yeah. anything about jordan's relationship with his bodyguards yeah. and like after Neither watching yeah. the doc it seems like that was a huge part of michael's life and obviously yeah. you're arguably the most famous person in the entire world at that point in your life uh, you're going to need some good security and you know that's been part of lebron's story too lebron's had you know his is a high school group of friends. Uh, one of those guys I think runs the security. So that was something that I didn't know before coming into the stack. And while like a lot of this stuff hit the major story points of Jordan's career and of the bulls dynasty, I will give it some credit in that there, there was, you know, some stuff that we've never seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I just let's go into that. Like, what are your, what, what are your final takeaways from this doc? These, 
10 hours. We've we've said this before on other episodes that we this thing obviously could have gone twice as long, three times as long. There's obviously just so much to the Michael Jordan story that you could just go forever. The obviously key stuff was obviously missed. Plenty of people will critique it and how this was with Jordan obviously having a lot of final say in this that it's basically a hate I don't know if I'm saying that word right, hagiography of Jordan, that it's obviously just glorifying MJ, which, I mean, that's part of the deal. Like, if Jordan was going to ever sign off on this stuff, like, it was obviously going to be Jordan slanted. But final takeaways from this doc, these 10 hours that we saw, like, I wish, I, I hope they they do some, like, after stuff and show more. I'm sure they have plenty of other footage that they could show. But what are your final takeaways? I think that the main takeaway, so let's start off with like the end of this, like the big question sort of hanging over it is could the Bulls have won a seventh? That is sort of like the big question, I think, from even the start of the 10 part series. Uh, One thing I think it's lost a little bit in there is that Jordan seems pretty convinced that he could have gotten the band back together. Reinsdorf was saying, you know, we had too many guys there whose market value would have been too high. We couldn't have retained everyone. And then if we would have, you know, reshape the roster around Michael and Phil that, uh, you know, he still didn't think they would have been able to win another one right away. Uh, I feel like Pippen was the biggest wild card there because like while Jordan wanted to come back, it's obvious that Jordan still thinks about this probably every single day of his life. (laughs) I don't think anyone else really wanted to come back. Like Phil was totally exhausted. He hated Kraus. He probably had, you know, his own beef with Reinsdorf. And I think that Phil wanted some time off and God knows the way that this story plays out. Phil, it works out better for Phil than any other, any of the other main characters because he wins five (laughs) more titles with the Lakers. Uh, So, and then Pippen just was going to want to get paid. Right. Like Pippen was so yeah. wildly underpaid forever. He was always in these trade rumors, always felt underappreciated. I don't know if it, you know, if it is definite that Pippen would have came back. I really don't think that at all. I think Pippen wanted out. I think Jackson wanted out. Rodman was just a total space cadet at that point, And he really wasn't even that effective well, by 98. Rod, we, we didn't even talk about the, the Rodman going to WCW Hulk so Hogan. good. The wrestling match. That's ab- absolutely incredible. And the scene of Rodman, they show the media, like the media relations guy, like, like we got to get Dennis like out of here. Like he wants to like not talk to the, in me, these media guys. So they show the whole scene of them sneaking Dennis out the, out, uh, I think exit three and a half or entrance three and a half, gate three and a half, a uh, 3.5, which I believe is still the media. I think that's still the media media entrance to this day, I believe. And they show Dennis just sprinting up those stairs while the media running after him. Like, that was an absolutely incredible scene. I can't believe we almost forgot about that. Like the just him and with Hulk Hogan did that, whatever that the, the whole wrestling thing was just in the middle of the NBA finals. That was between game three and four. Imagine somebody right now, this and like with the social media era, just a main player ditching out on practice in the middle of the NBA finals, go to a fucking wrestling thing. And like to part, he didn't even just go to watch. He was participating in that with Hulk Hogan. Hitting DDP and then the with a steel chair. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Absolutely iconic moment. And he came back and I believe, I'm pretty sure he played pretty well in game four. I can't remember exactly. And I think, I think that's all that's all that stuff kind of also spoke to like Phil's just like his whole like genius as a coach. Because like, he was, he like he got he understood it like he knew Rodman like had to do his own thing sometimes we saw it with the Vegas stuff earlier in the stock that like you just kind of had to let Dennis be Dennis sometimes as long as they reined him in and they did 
and it worked out. We got some good uh, behind the scenes footage uh, at practice after that happened. I think they called out Dickie Simpkins even got a reference in there. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely, a, I totally, I can't believe we almost forgot about that. That was absolutely a great part of that. Uh, anything else? I think I'm, I'm probably, that probably wraps it up for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was obviously very entertained by this whole doc. You can have your critiques. I totally understand it. They, I know people, some people had issues with the, t- the timeline structure, the kind of jumping back and forth. I totally get it. Obviously fans of other teams aren't going to like some of the stuff, like how some guys are portrayed. I know some people kind of get sick of the Jordan as this big dictator piece of shit asshole, like the whole slights and working slights up out of nowhere. Uh, one of the, at the beginning of this episode, they'd show Michael Jordan and Brian Russell and how I think Brian Russell talked, talked, talked some shit to him. Uh, I think during his first retirement, MJ put him on his list. Obviously that was obviously a whole, that was a whole thematic thing throughout this whole doc about MJ taking any, any little slight and using it to just beat some ass. A lot of, I know some people might get sick of that. And obviously that plays into the Jordan, the whole Jordan legacy and him. He's kind of an asshole, whatever. I get it. Some people might not like that, but I mean, overall, uh, very entertaining. Again, it could have gone twice as long and probably wouldn't have even been better. But the fact that they have this was supposed to show like a month from now, like this was supposed to debut during the NBA finals in June, obviously with the hiatus and the, and the whole, obviously this whole pandemic, they like, they basically rushed to finish this so they could show this during this. And this has been, it's been a really nice thing to do every Sunday night. And obviously a lot of people have been watching NBA Twitter, everybody to be to take part in this every Sunday night has been a lot of fun watching it and just kind of reliving it, especially for us. We, we were what nine, 10 years old during these years. We were basically little kids just kind of taking in these Jordan years and the, and the dynasty. Uh, I've said many times that my first bulls memories were the 93 finals when Paxton at that three, and then finally started watching them more full time with that second three Pete. So to kind of go back and watch all this stuff, uh, it's been great nostalgia. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I understand the critiques, but overall, this is a whole lot of fun. This doc has been awesome. And uh, I hope they show more. I hope they do some like post some post stuff. I hope maybe they, they have all this footage. Hopefully, like if they release like a special Blu-ray that they have, like ex- some of this extra footage we can watch. Because I mean, I could watch. Uh, the footage of that, the, like their practices, their behind the scenes stuff. I could watch footage of MJ reacting to people on iPads forever. They obviously used that really well with MJ just reacting to people now during his interviews. So uh, I had a lot of fun watching this, and it's it's, it's I think it's been a, it's, it's really helped during this time when there's been really no professional sports. So uh, yeah, it's been great. I guess now you just got to wait for the Sosa McGuire doc that ESPN drew. Oh yeah, no, I can't. I'm so stoked they're doing that. Ninety. Uh, 98. Yeah, they're doing that. They're doing that. I think they're doing what Lance Armstrong and they're doing Kobe. Uh, I can't remember what that other one they're doing, but uh, yeah, they're, they're basically just riding these coattails of the last dance and doing these other docs. And the Sosa McGuire doc, absolutely. It was obviously also 1998. So like that was me as a uh, as a huge Cubs fan, huge Bulls fan, and uh, that 98 that Sosa McGuire thing like basically brought baseball back because after the strike and obviously they talked. Jordan was kind of involved with that when he was playing in the minors the baseball strike like baseball was like not doing well at that point and the sosa mcguire home uh the home run chase kind of brought that whole that brought baseball back so I, i'm i'm really excited for that as well uh so yeah i mean we're I hope we'll, we'll see if the nba comes back we're, what are we middle of may right now they're talking like 
the NBA will possibly be back. I kind of think they will try to come back in July at some point. I would guess the Bulls are finished. Uh, I don't think they're going to come back and play any regular season games. I think they'd probably go straight to the playoffs. The Bulls are probably finished. Uh, we're still, we have not done anything. There's been no new news on Jim Boylan. I know they just, uh, was it Sean Respert, I believe the guy's name, like player development guy, like the one player development coach they had is leaving uh, apparently on his own accord because he wanted a bigger job and just not with all these changes, not going to happen. So we're still waiting to see any news on the Jim Boylan front. Uh, again, it seems like it's going to be a slow, slow, a long decision on that, that they want the new front office wants to, wants to talk to him and get him face to face before they make a final decision. Uh, I don't even know if, I feel like there has been like no talk about like the bull about, uh, the advocate center reopening was obviously a lot of other, like a lot of places, the uh, people or teams practice facilities have reopened. I think we're at maybe like almost two thirds of the league at this point, but obviously the Illinois like stay at home order has been pretty strict. And I feel like I haven't really seen much about the bowl of like, the advocate center reopening. So like, I have no idea when this is going to happen. So we're just gonna have to wait and see on that front. But yeah. obviously we, every, all you guys know where, where we're at on Jim Boyle. And so I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, and uh, we'll still have some stuff to talk about. We still have draft prospects yeah. oh, to the, talk about. We got about. draft. Yeah, yeah. So we did. We talked about. We talked about Lamelo Ball a while ago, and then the last dance happened, and we've kind of gone off draft stuff. But uh, we'll probably get back into draft stuff coming up here because obviously, for now, we're going to need more stuff to talk about. So I think we're going to probably get back into some draft coverage in this uh, rest of May into June. And we'll, I guess we'll see what happens with the NBA. All right, that wraps it up for me. I'll let you sign on us off, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Cash Consideration, Chicago Bulls Podcast, shout out to Blue Wire Network. As always, please go check out all the other great Blue Wire pods across our network. Uh, we we just signed at Blue Wire. We got uh, is it Sue Bird and Megan Rapino with their podcast. They just had Jimmy Butler on recently. A great podcast there. Uh, huge get for Blue Wire. So that's that's awesome. Let me shout out the actual name of this podcast here. Uh, it's called A Touch More. So obviously, they've had a ton of great ghosts, a ton of ton of great guests. Uh, so they are part of the Blue Wire Network now as well. A huge get for us. That's awesome. And obviously, a ton of other great podcasts. The Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our sponsors, uh, Bet Online and Blue Chew. And for us at Cash Considerations, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all those good places. So for Jason and Ricky, it's been great to share The Last Dance with you guys. It's been awesome talking about this. Uh, As I mentioned, we will be talking draft coming up. We'll hopefully see if we get more news about the NBA moving forward. Uh, But until then, we'll talk to you guys next time. It's Jason, Ricky, Cash Inspiration, Chicago Bulls Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.